as you sit, if you have your Bible with you this morning, uh, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we continue to make our way through this chapter, and uh, this morning we are going to be considering verses 10 through 16. 10 through 16. If you don't have a Bible, please look in the row and the pockets and the chairs in front of you. You can find one there. Before we hear the reading and preaching of God's Word, join me again in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come to your Word thankful for it. It is a wonderful gift. We thank you for your Spirit's work in and through it, even that which we will consider this morning. We also thank you, Lord for your great work in sanctifying us by your truth. Your word is truth. And so we pray, Lord, that you would grow us and mature us, even by what we hear and consider and understand this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. Hear now the very holy word of God written for you and for me today. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Thus far the reading of his holy word, and may God add his blessing to the reading of his word to us. Well, people of God, the, the wisdom of the age and that of the rulers of it, as well uh, what, that was all around and pervasive in Corinth, was well known in Corinth. And as it spread more and more throughout the community, it wasn't hard to find someone to share it. When it was heard by inquisitive ears, it was easy to understand and all the more tempting to believe. If you were to interview people on the streets of Corinth, maybe Paul would have something like Paul's world on video. You would have found many who could engage in the conversation well and give clear answers about the viewpoints of their culture and their society and how valuable they were to them. Many there were on a quest to find what was real, what was true, and especially what was wise. But the sad fact was that all of those walking in darkness found their wisdom in dark places that were void of the light. They were void of Christ and heavenly wisdom. 
They railed against any truth claims that would exalt Christ and his work for sinners, seeking to put him underfoot as foolish. And yet, though they were in the minority, Paul and his colleagues were faithful to feed and to nourish the souls of the saints in Corinth with a different wisdom, a wisdom that was contra the world. And we've seen the amount of ink that Paul has spilled in these first two chapters alone to reinforce and to reorient the saints to the value and importance of knowing and embracing the true wisdom of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And to press home this message, Paul said that he spoke to those who were spiritually mature, who were able to rightly discern and understand Christ and his work by the work of the Holy Spirit. And why did he do this? Well, because Paul knew that true wisdom is divinely hidden wisdom. He knew that what is hidden by God has to be made known by God. And why did God choose to hide his wonderful wisdom? Paul said, so that Christ's mission of redemption would be accomplished. And now uh, Paul continues to teach us more about the great person and work of the Holy Spirit in this morning's text. And so let's consider together the revealing work of the Spirit in verses 10 through 12. And the work of the Spirit in teaching in verse 13 as well as Paul's comparison between the natural man and the spiritual man in verses 14 through 16. But as we look at the Holy Spirit's revealing work, remember Paul's quote of Isaiah 64, verse 4, where Isaiah said, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And so men and women can't think up, they can't put together or dream up God's plan for his people on their own. And now look at verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Beloved, Paul here further clarifies and presses the revealing work of of the Spirit. And how can the Spirit do such work? Because He searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so now let's let's be first clear as to what Paul isn't saying here. Paul isn't implying that the Holy Spirit lacks knowledge and therefore seeks and searches for it. No, no. Paul points us to the Holy Spirit's divinity here and and his omniscience, as the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit is all-knowing. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 2, section 2, of God and the Holy Trinity. The Westminster Divines say this about God's knowledge. In his sight, all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creature. So as nothing is to him contingent or uncertain. And that's very helpful to think about and to know as we consider the infinite, the infallible, and the omniscience, and the all-knowing God. King David confirms this as 
he had experience with being divinely served. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 7, we read there, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and, and laid your hand upon me. And notice what he says in verse 6. Such knowledge, is, it's too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Beloved, sometimes when we consider the all-searching work of God, that ability, and that which he does in us, it's a fearful thing. It's an intimidating thing. It's a scary thing, even. But we recognize that we have many dark places, and undoubtedly there are many others that we're not aware of in the moment. But yet here David was glad to be searched by the Lord. David was glad to be blessed with the insight and the understanding that only came from God as to what God was truly doing with him in the depths and the crevices and the closets of his heart and his life in knowing the ins and outs of it, even as dark as it was, but that was good. Because the light of the Lord, the light of Christ, would shine in those places, would mature David, would sanctify David. But he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The answer is, I can go nowhere. For you are there. Paul told the church in Rome, in Romans 8, 26 and 27, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And look at verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. There's so much here in just these two verses. But see the work of the Spirit. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought. The Lord wonderfully in inspired Scripture gives us instruction as to how we should pray and what we should pray for. But sometimes when we are in the midst of prayer, our minds go blank or we're doubtful, we're unsure. We're not quite praying for the things maybe we ought to, but the Spirit, and it's important to know that the Spirit knows. The Spirit makes intercession for us before the throne of God. And the one who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit knows all. He is omniscient. The Spirit is intimately connected and involved with us as He is dwelling in us, even as He is interceding for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And so Paul says here that the, 
the Holy Spirit enters into the deep things of God. The Corinthians needed to know this, and we need to know this today as well. And this means even into God's most secret councils. Truly, who can have such access, such thorough knowledge of God, but God himself? Again, these verses are pointing us to not only the work of the Spirit, but the divinity of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He can search the deep things of God because He is God. But look at what Paul says in 11a. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Beloved, when you talk about, you think, who knows you the best? Who would come to mind the quickest? Yes, it's, it's easy to point to your spouse, maybe, if you're married, or a best friend. And that's true in many ways. However, who knows you even better than your spouse, humanly speaking? You do. And Paul speaks to the knowledge of your spirit regarding yourself, and that's spirit small s. And now it can be rightly said that we can easily be deceived or blind to what is true of ourselves, and we often are. However, our spirit knows us the best, and know that the Holy Spirit is as intimately one with God and His infinite knowledge as man's mind and spirit is with the man. That's what Paul is making this connection an example. And considering this intimate connection, this explains the, the person and the exclusive work of the Spirit. And Paul goes on in the second half of verse 11 to say this, Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Again, the one who searches the deep things of God knows the deep things of God. Here Paul says, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of the Spirit of God. Again, to the church in Rome, Paul said in chapter 11, verses 33 and 34, this is a rich and wonderful passage. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? My friends, no one knows the mind of God except God himself. Except the Holy Spirit. That's Paul's point. And in verse 12 he says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. To see that here, there is receipt, and there is gift. And don't miss this. The Spirit isn't only the one who imparts and reveals, but He is also the one who is given, and whom we have wonderfully received. So the Spirit is the one who proceeds from the Father and the Son, as we say in our creed, right? As well as John 15, 26 says this, But when the Helper comes, this is Christ speaking, 
whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, will testify of me. See the Spirit's work here. He's described as the Helper. And the Helper that is going to come, and has come. And the One, He is the One whom the Son would send, would send and He and the Father would send Him, and He is the Spirit of Truth. He is the Helper, He is the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, and what will He do? He will testify of Christ. Brothers and sisters, there's so many out there today who get the person and work of the Holy Spirit completely wrong because they're not seeing who the Spirit is and revealed in Scripture and what He does. Many people would like to exalt the Holy Spirit if it was the Holy Spirit only who was God. But what is the Spirit? No, He is the third person of the Trinity, the Trinity, the Godhead, His Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what is one of His many works? He testifies of Christ. He points us to Jesus. But the Spirit is the one who was sent. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts. We see the sending of the Spirit. But he is also the one who indwells us and, and works in and through the Scriptures to illumine our understanding to know what? To know God's free gifts. The gift of Christ in the Gospel, along with the benefits of our union with him. He is sent to us. He is given to us. But then He reveals to us. He illumines our understanding to know the free gifts of God. How wonderful is that? And so, my friends, we must know who we have received and then not live like we haven't received Him. Think about that this morning. It is so true each and every day. Because it's a wrestle, it's a struggle. Do we live like we have received the Holy Spirit and He is indwelling within us? We must do so. We must do so. We are called to do so that we may not grieve Him when we sin. If we truly grasp the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, beloved, that should impact our fight. And our fighting hard against temptation and sin. That should influence our desire and our zeal to obey the living God. Because the Spirit is indwelling us. He is within us. And we do grieve Him when we sin. So we must not with all our heart. Even as he is working in us, that we would not. And that we would flee from temptation and sin. But look at verse 13. It's wonderful that the Holy Spirit not only reveals, but then in verse 13 we also see something else. These things, Paul said, we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things 
with spiritual. The world teaches. It does. And Paul's been hitting on that, right? They've been pressing hard in their lessons, in their classes, in their doctrine, in their dogma. They've been pressing home what they see to be true. They're not afraid to teach. And they will. They indoctrinate every day. So Paul said again, he's repeating, he's reiterating, he's he's driving home again and again this message of, we aren't here to give you the wisdom of the world. We're here to show you Jesus, who is the wisdom and the power of God. Believe in him. The saints in Corinth needed to know and understand that, that Paul didn't preach with the wisdom of men, nor did he, uh, through the proclamation of the truth, teach them to use such worldly and demonic wisdom. But Paul teaches us here that the Spirit not only reveals, but he also instructs and teaches us. The truths of God and the gospel don't need to be garnished by human skill, but are truly best in the words that the Spirit teaches. That is the best instruction. Those are the best words. So what do we do? We're committed to be fed by the Word. Those are the Spirit's words. As Jesus instructed his disciples to confess him in the midst of persecution, he told them in Luke 12, verses 11 and 12, Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer. Or what you should say. And why was that? Look at verse 12. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. When we oftentimes pray, and we should, when we're going to have difficult conversations, when we're going to be presented by opponents or in the face of opponents, it's right for us to go before the Lord asking for his help. To guide our thoughts and our words. Right. And the Spirit, we see here, even in this passage, the Spirit does do that. He gives us the words to say. John 14, verses 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. You didn't hear that. He doesn't only teach us and show us what needs to be said when we're in the right moment and the right hour with somebody else. But he teaches us all things. He brings to our memories, even for those of you who have been going through with me on the Second Peter series, and the reminders that Peter has talked about. He brings to our remembrance the things that Christ has said. He would bring to, his, to the disciples' reminders, to the apostles' reminders, to the saints' reminders, the things that he said. He does the same for us today. Because remembering the words of our Lord matters. It's of great importance. Because again, the words of the world are trying to compete and vie for our mental real estate. 
they want to dwell in our minds, not the things of God, not the things of Christ and what he has said, what he has called and commanded us to do. So again, the Spirit reveals and also teaches, opening our understanding to the revelation given. And in doing so, note that the Spirit's instruction does what? It compares spiritual things with spiritual. So in other words, one part of God's revelation is compared to another. When parts of God's Word are brought together, they they truly do help illustrate one another. Remember, what is the infallible rule of interpretation? Scripture interpreting Scripture. And we see that as God's revelation in one place comes together in another place, and we understand. It's illustrated. We better grasp the truth that God is revealing to us. Now what would happen if earthly things were made the test of revelation? It would skew our view. Our judgment would be wrong. And so this divine spiritual comparison is essential. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Notice he didn't say he's comparing earthly things with spiritual. But Paul goes on to summarize the importance then of what he has taught us thus far as he speaks to the nature of the natural man. And he begins with the word but. In verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. There is receipt. There is knowledge. We've seen Paul teach us about that before. And in contrast to the spiritually mature... Right, that Paul just said in previous verses in the context that he spoke to. The natural man, the unbeliever, doesn't receive and he lacks the spirit wrought ability to receive the things of God, let alone the spirit of God. The spirit of God is not given to him. And so therefore, what is true? As Paul said all along, the message of the cross is foolish to those who don't believe. And why is this true? Because he says they don't have the gift of spiritual discernment. Now what is discernment? Sometimes we, we use that word a lot, but we may not fully understand what it means. It's the ability to judge and to not only distinguish between right and wrong or good or bad, but also to recognize the moral implications of different situations and the course of action that's associated there. It's the ability to rightly assess the moral and the spiritual status of individuals and groups, even movements. For Jesus calls us to be discerning, lest what? Lest we cast our pearls before swine. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. But Paul says in verse 15, But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. And some of you may be thinking, now wait, wait a minute, Pastor. Where is Paul going there? Is Paul making an arrogant statement here that the spiritual can't be judged by anyone? They're not accountable to anyone? No. 
There are likely two things going on here. One, keep in mind that Paul may have been responding to unbelieving opponents who passed negative judgments on him and speaking to their right ability or lack thereof in doing that. But secondly, Paul is also teaching us that the spiritual man who has the spirit and spiritual discernment can judge matters of common things as well as spiritual things. However, the opposite isn't true. The natural man knows no more about the spiritual man than he does about any other thing of the spirit. The unregenerate don't know what to make of believers. They won't accept that our beliefs and lives formed by the Spirit are good and proper according to the will and word of God. They can't understand those things. But this shouldn't worry us at all, Paul says. Look at verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Paul quotes Isaiah 40, verse 13 here, bringing us back to the Spirit in verse 10. He knows the mind of the Lord because he shares that mind as Lord, the Holy Spirit does. And Paul also further drives the point regarding spiritual discernment and judgment. And the clear answer to the question is that no one can instruct God. He is all-knowing, and he lacks nothing. And so what was God's wonderful gift to Paul that is the same to you and me who are trusting Christ? As we have the Spirit of Christ, we have also been given the mind of Christ. Such wonderful gifts, gifts upon gifts upon gifts, from God's storehouse and his riches of grace and mercy to us. That we in this life would be able to know with confidence our Lord. That we would be able to know the triune God. That we would be able to know the work of the Spirit. And that we would be able to live in the midst of persecution and trouble and suffering more aptly. Knowing by whose power and by whose influence and word we are walking. We have the mind of Christ. Because we have the Spirit of Christ. We know and believe Jesus' thoughts given to us in his word and that are confirmed in us by the Holy Spirit. Such wonderful work of the Spirit. So be in awe of God the Holy Spirit. I'll leave you with this this morning. For he is the one... He is one in substance and power and eternity with the Father and the Son. But be in awe of him who knows all things and searches all things, the deep things of God even, revealing that which is pleasing to him and important for us to understand for our good and for his glory. But also praise God for his sending Christ. Praise God. For his sending of his spirit to reveal, to comfort, to guide, and to teach us the truth, pointing us to Jesus. Jesus didn't leave us alone. He's with us by his spirit, leading us and guiding us. He's present in us. 
He would never leave us nor forsake us, he, he said, and he never has. And he never will. Praise him for granting us to receive the Spirit, along with the joy of them knowing his free gifts to us. You know, as we have been given the mind of Christ by the Spirit, may we daily be mindful of this. That this reality would shape and affect the way that we live. Again, knowing that we have the mind of Christ changes everything. And it should. That mind must be active in our daily lives by God's grace that we would practice spiritual discernment. Seeking to be faithful in making godly decisions and walking according to the Spirit. And seeking to flee all that would grieve Him if we were to fall into sin. Know your God. Love your God. And praise Him for His love and His grace and His gifts to you. Amen. Let's pray together.